Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Holy cow! Please shut up! Please shut up! Gangsters, what's up, guys? I would be honored if you played football for this team. Me play football? Vance Dooley and the Georgia damn Bulldogs, baby! Sorry, like, my mom made me put on my jacket, and then she made me do the dishes. What we've got here is failure to communicate. That's so funny, last time I heard that, I laughed so hard I fell off my dinosaur. Just a bit outside. Oh, look at the sugar falling out of the sky! Look at the sugar falling out of the sky! I think you'll ever get out of here. One day, when I got a long white beard and two or three marbles rolling around upstairs, they let me out. The Second String Podcast and Now Radio Show on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. Cool. If you're hearing this music, that means one thing. That means we got T-Bone in the house. Tyler Head filling in the backup, the second string to the second string. I'm a third stringer. Third stringer. That's a good way to look or at my, it. Or my practice squad. Hey, man, some folks are just born third string. You got to just deal with what, what, what comes your way. You know what? Stet the Jet was a third stringer at one point. Stet look at him the, now. Stet the Jet was a third stringer, and what did Stet the Jet do last week? And he lit up G-Day. I'm telling you. Talking about Stetson Bennett, obviously. Stetson football. Stetson football. Tyler, thanks for joining us on uh, very short notice, by the way. I got to give you credit for that because I did not tell you until like yesterday. When we bumped into each other randomly. We did over at the uh, lovely Grady College. You're about to be a uh, proud graduate of said Grady College. How does that feel, man? Uh, well, once I finish all these tests and projects, I'm sure it'll feel <laughs> oh a lot better. Oh, my God. I remember <laughs> that so vividly. Like the end of the semester, every semester, not just your graduating semester. Those last couple weeks were brutal, man. But here's here's my problem that I had. I always knew what projects would be due, mm-hmm. like well in advance. Yep. I had all the time in the world to do bona fide research, make my opinions and, and well-written articles, let it all come slowly but surely. But I never started them until like three days before they were due. I won't lie. I've been guilty of that quite a few times myself. Hey, our professors may or may not listen, so just speak the truth. It's but okay. You know what that means? You work efficiently. You, you do can, work if efficiently. If you pull off a project in three days, that's some high-quality work right I had there. many nights. I lived when I was a student in downtown Athens, so I had the capabilities of like walking over to uh, the SLC or even one thing I would do a lot, and this I loved this place. I haven't had a reason to go in forever, but I would pretend like I was a law student uh-huh. And I would walk into the law library and just kind of like keep to myself. But they have a really beautiful, uh, what do you call it, like a study area? From what I've seen outside through the glass, it looks very nice. Yeah, get, sneak in there one day if you have like work to get done in a quiet atmosphere. I, I say this very lovingly. The younger students are very obnoxious. 
Well, if you go to the SLC, certain rooms, there's like a lot of loud activity, a lot of side conversation, a lot of kids right. making plans for that night as opposed to doing their schoolwork that's due in a few hours. But if you want a really nice, quiet, and beautiful setting, I kind of feel like it's the Harry Potter dining hall right? without the owls flying all over the place. But that's the law library to me. And I would sneak in there a lot. But since I was such a procrastinator, that's a mouthful. Since I was such a procrastinator, there we go, I would have hours and hours of like long, deep into the night sessions getting things done that were due the next morning. Right. So if that's you right now, best of luck to you, man. I'm kind of bad about just kind of letting my fingers wander on the laptop. Yeah. I'm writing this report. Well, let me jump on Twitter for like five minutes, give myself a break. That turns into 20 minutes, which turns into an hour. Hey, you gotta, Suddenly I'm watching cat videos on YouTube hey, for some reason. Hey, cat videos are, are what makes the world go round, Tyler. You will learn that with age. But no, Twitter, I would do the same thing. I would like shut down social media and be like, I can't look at you. But I'm such a news junkie. That's one reason I'm in the news industry is because I always want to know what's happening. Right. It's not necessarily I want to go see what my high school classmate ate for dinner or what their kids wore for school. I could care less about that, but I love knowing what's happening in the news at all times, which is why news is a natural fit for, I think, the path I've taken. Right. And once you finally graduate and you don't have to do those essays and projects and tests, you have a lot more time for that kind of stuff. You certainly do, or at least I thought that, but you just wait until you get to the real world. Oh my God, that was the old, oldest man thing I've ever said. The real world. Just you wait till you get to the real world, Tyler. Well, hey, that is Tyler Head. I'm Logan Booker. This is the Second String Podcast. And the reason you are hearing T-Bone, as we call him so lovingly around these hallways, Walker told me basically Saturday morning that he's, oh, by the way, I'm on vacation next week. Do something with the podcast. And I was like, Walker, man, a little heads up would have been nice. Right. Maybe he and I could have recorded something nice and magical, but I'm glad he didn't, Tyler, because that means you're here. You and I have worked together many times recently. Yes. Uh, you Always being fun. over at 960 The Ref, as our listeners are now know, this is no longer technically the second string podcast. It's the string and a half podcast. Because I've been moved up to the big leagues. There you go. And you are a very, very good backup over there when Dave is gone. Uh, Dave, the voice of the dog's baseball team, so he's on the road quite often this time of year. I've been quite busy these past couple months. No doubt about it. So I'm always in, always excited when I see you and I on the schedule to work the morning show because I think we're good. And hopefully the second string listeners will get a taste of that also. We have very common interest. I think we have similar dry humor. Everything works out great. Uh, you also have an undying appreciation. F oh, wait, hold on a second. That's the still music. See, there's my live broadcast still doing broadcast thing. What I was trying to say, Okay. you and I have a very mutual agreement that Sports Urban Myers. is a total a-hole. Yes. Not to put that out there in the wavelengths for anybody, but uh, yeah, good stuff. So I'm glad to have you on board. Tyler. Glad to be here. I think last time we did this was like July of last year. Oh, I probably sucked at it. I think that was like the first like actual broadcast thing I had done since I started working Really? Here. Okay, that was before we were even the second string podcast and radio show. So now a whole new audience gets to hear you. I know, we have segments this time. On WGAU 6 a.m. Saturday mornings. If For you... my future self listening mm -hmm. at 6 a.m. Saturday morning, what's up? <clears throat> yeah, hey, hey, future Tyler. Hope things are good. Hope you won a lottery or something between now and then. Oh, that'd be nice. What if you were listening to this like on a boat in the British Virgin Islands? Oh, man. <clears throat> on yeah. iHeartRadio. Yeah, I'd have like my own Wi-Fi on the boat that or whatever. A yeah, great, great thought. Well, I, for future Tyler, I hope I hope that happens and you're enjoying that. Yeah, I hope you, uh, hope you, you have it. Can you buy a, a boat I, that fast and get it down there? 
with enough money, you can enough do anything. Money, yeah, sure, you can true. make anything happen. Maybe yeah. you don't own it. Maybe you're renting it, but right. you're still on it. That's the thing. Testing that it out to buy it later on. You got it. You know what? Uh, we know what they were testing out. Also, was at the football field, the Sanford Stadium. We were getting some tests for the offense, some tests for the defense. Were you able to go? What was your weekend like? Past weekend, I was sitting in here at the 960 ah, studio. That's one of the downfalls of being. Uh, I don't know. Just getting into this industry, so you have to do a lot of board hopping. That's okay. I mean, we had the baseball game that started at noon, mm-hmm. um, and that ran till about three, and then we had the second half of uh, G Day on the ref. And so I got to watch the entire game, okay. you know, amidst doing my various duties on the job. But that's one good thing about r- working a sports station—you get to watch sports while you work. So it I is can't a, complain. A, certainly a plus. I'm glad you got to do that. Well, G Day itself went off without a hitch, other than the weather. Uh, what a nasty day, man! It was. It, it I, I always make fun. the joke. I say this over and over that G Day. Is sort of like God's way of smiling and saying, hey, I'm such a Georgia Bulldog fan. Uh, check out this weather. It's amazing. It's usually the nicest day of the spring. But this is the first time in my recent memory that it was far, far from that. Uh, just a horrible, horrible uh, weather-wise. In terms of temperature, it rained heavily right before G-Day. The alumni football game was actually cut short. I uh, hate it for those guys that traveled from God knows where to come and play on Sanford Stadium's field once again. But as mm-hmm. far as the game itself, things did clear up, as we all know, right before kickoff. They got it in. They got the full game in. I did get the sense Kirby Smart was a little bit in let's hurry up mode. Yeah, He's like, I don't really want to be out here. The fans, certainly, thanks for coming. We're going to show you everything we can. But it's a little bit chilly, a little bit wet. Those are some conditions that might lead to injuries. Well, and they sliced up five minutes off the fourth quarter as I well. And halftime. Here's one thing at halftime. It said 12 minutes uh-huh. uh, when they put it on the board. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take from the press box and run upstairs Say hi to all of our Cox Media folks that were drinking, eating up in the Cox Media suites. Yep. It took me no less than five minutes to get there. Right. And by the time I got there, I look out the window and they're already playing football again. So they had to have shortened halftime too. I feel like that may have had something to do with TV as well because I know it was on the SEC network Mm -hmm. and I want to say Florida – and somebody were playing a, a baseball game after yeah. that, and they wanted to get out of yeah, Athens sense. as quick as they could, which I understand. And obviously, it's a spring game, so you know it's not. It doesn't matter in the long run necessarily. Right. But uh, yeah, no, they were trying to get that clean two hours as quick as they could. Yeah, as far as the game itself, I assume you probably had a chance to watch it or at least see the highlights since mm-hmm. uh, board hopping, and you got a firsthand audio of it as it was happening. But some some good things and bad things to take away. Not really bad. I'm not even going to go there. I feel like this was just the epitome of a spring game where with everything good there's a counterbalance of something bad are you referring to that opening play or the second play of the game do you Tyler do you call that an interception thrown by Jake Fromm or do you call it a mighty fine pick six by Eric Stokes well we kind of have an independent variable that Holloman kind of stumbled on the route so Mm -hmm. that you know you can go either way in that conversation Uh, great for Eric Stokes not great for Jake Fromm, but, I, I mean, it, it's not anything that's going to concern me about Fromm going forward. We know he's the guy. We know he's got the job when the, the fall comes around. So anything to boost up Stokes even more, who has just blown expectations out of the water since the beginning of this past right. season, um, I'm all for it. So I'll give the nod to him on that one. Eric Stokes has been high on my list of players to watch this spring, and I'm not alone in that. A lot of folks are pointing at Eric Stokes as possibly one of the – better stories that of just development it's it's a it's a testament to coach smart and this coaching staff 
you you recruited him as one of the fastest players in high school, okay? And then he beat Demetrius Robertson. I think it was the hundred yard dash, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that track event was at the GHSA State Championships. Eric Stokes beat some really fast players uh, or other athletes on that that track. He's been making our hometown very proud. Is he from your hometown? He's from awesome. Okay, I didn't realize. He that. went to my rival high school. Fan, uh, so you are fan. So you are. Do, do you let that go once you put the Georgia oh, Bulldog oh, yeah, uniform yeah. on? You have to, obviously, because uh, uh, Holloman went to my high school. <laughs> okay, and I saw those two match up on the high school field. We, That's awesome. We all shared the same stadium, and then they had it, had at it even more for G Day, and I'm, they do it every day at practice. By the way, these are players that make each other better. But Eric Stokes just looking phenomenal, like you said a second ago. Like he really came on strong last season. I think it was uh, about the Auburn game, mid mid game, where he took the reps away from Tyson Campbell. Yeah, and that wasn't a knock on Tyson Campbell; it was no. just somebody making plays at the right time. Right, and I mean his kind of coming out moment was blocking that punt against mm-hmm. Missouri. Um, that kind of put him on people's radars. But as the season went on, kept getting more and more reps and everything. And I think that also had to do with that year he sat out as a red shirt to really sit down and learn. You know, get antiquated to the college system, not just kind of get thrown to the wolves mm-hmm. as a freshman, which is something we don't necessarily see a lot anymore in, in terms of these top athletes coming out of high school. But I think it was very beneficial to him that he got that year of practice and experience under his belt before really getting on the field to show what he had. I think he's the quintessential what the model of a uh, college athlete kind of should be, the norm. And uh, not everybody's going to step in as a true freshman, as a five-star recruit and uh, take college football over by storm. In fact, that shouldn't happen. Right. It is the anomaly. It is the freak athletes that are able to do something like that. But for Eric Stokes to come in, red shirt like you said, sort of get in that special teams mode, uh, contribute where you can. He had that beautiful blocked punt for a touchdown against Missouri. And then you slowly chip away, chip away, and you get better with rep after rep after practice rep. It also doesn't hurt that Georgia's so deep on every position right now that a practice for Georgia is becoming really good quality reps. And I'm going to get to more of that in a second because there was one matchup that I watched a lot of on G-Day I was very intrigued by. But back to Eric Stokes first. Uh, I think his his story is just what I expect out of college. Mm-hmm. There's so many, and we as Georgia fans are really getting spoiled with all these high-rated recruiting classes where every single cycle – I'll use Nolan Smith as an example now, the number one recruit in the nation. Yep. A lot of Georgia fans, now listen, I'm as optimistic as you or as anybody else thinking, let's get him on the field now. He's the guy. Right. But realistically, we need to give him time to learn college football, learn to play against people your size and maybe even better than you. And that's exa- and I'll just go and go right into it. That's what I was talking about a second ago. The matchup I watched on G-Day watching true freshman Nolan Smith against now redshirt sophomore, technically a third-year junior, if you want to look at it that way, Isaiah Wilson on the right tackle. Yep, Those two were giving each other hell all game long. Now, it was a clear advantage for Isaiah Wilson on this day, mm-hmm. but the, all I can think of is that Nolan Smith will get the best of him every once in a while at practice, but those two going up against each other day in and day out for an entire offseason and into the season – when we start playing teams that don't have players the caliber of Georgia, I'm not going to say it's going to be a day off, but it's going to be a, a, a big difference when they take the field against a South Carolina or a Tennessee 
pick an SEC East opponent and say, you're not as good as the guy I practice against every single day. Iron sharpens iron, man. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm looking at Nolan Smith's stats from Saturday. He really didn't do a whole lot, but it's kind of those trench battles that you watch that, they're you know, they're not going to necessarily pay attention to on TV, but that's going to tell you the story of what it is going to look like when he goes against an inferior guy on right. the line and blows past him without you know, like he's a set of revolving doors or whatever, and you'll look back to the spring game and say, wow, he was doing that against Isaiah Wilson in practice every day. That's why he's so good against an inferior exactly. opponent. Now, Isaiah Wilson looked fantastic, by the way. Then kudos to him. It wasn't just Nolan Smith not being able to get by Isaiah. There's a reason he didn't get by Isaiah. That yeah, is a man. He, anybody, <laughs> Everybody on our line these days is a brick house. They're it's enormous. it's insane. We've talked about it a lot on this show and others, that the Georgia offensive line is something that – for my lifetime, and I recently turned 36 years old, spoiler alert for anybody out there that uh, didn't know how old I was, it's my lifetime I've never seen anything remotely resembling this offensive line. Well, I have. It's just been at Alabama. Yeah. The it's, er it's been at other schools that are not named Georgia. Those earth movers that Saban loves so much. And not a knock on the Mark Richt regime, but Mark Richt – his philosophies were much more of a smaller, more athletic right. offensive line. And Georgia had a lot of success doing that style of play. Running backs are legendary in college football, have come through Georgia during Mark Rick's time, and they benefited behind that kind of offensive line. But could you imagine for a second, let's just combine a couple things real quick. Take Todd Gurley in his prime. Take even a Sean Marino, two kind of different but really good backs. Stick them behind this offensive line. Oh, man. And that's sort of what we're seeing with a DeAndre Swift. All high hopes that Zamir White can get here soon. Uh, recruiting news out of the weekend. It sounds like Georgia made some really good headway with Kendall Milton. He's number one back in the nation. He's sort of that Todd Gurley big body style. So you start putting running backs that we already have and maybe will get soon behind this line. Look out. <laughs> that is fun to think about. Yeah, and like you said, we I mean, we did definitely have success with the smaller, more athletic guys, just given the type of talent that we had in the backfield at that time. But I feel like that style of offensive lineman is kind of now more fit for the West Coast, you know, full spread offenses mm -hmm. that, you know, only run out of or only run out of the shotgun and that kind of stuff because you're moving around a lot more. Right. When you're playing this in the phone book type, I know we don't really use the fullback anymore, but I formation type stuff, you want those big guys that can really open up those smaller holes that your running backs can slip through and yeah. make things happen. It's fun to think about. Really fun to think about. Uh, defensively, also, the Georgia had a otherwise good game. In fact, I want to go ahead and take a break now to leave more time on the other side. There is a number okay. that I think can be very skewed when you look at the stats, but I'm going to tell you why I like that, and I think it's something that not a lot of people are talking about, G-Day. So we'll hit that on the other side. Tyler, in for Walker. What a jerk, by the way. Letting me know like four days ago he's out. So you, we'll, you said I had to make fun of him throughout the show today. Absolutely. No, we're going to make fun of Walker a lot coming up, so we'll, uh, we'll get to that on the other side. As my buddy down the hall, Tim Bryant, would say, the briefest of breaks. On the other side, we'll talk about a number on the defense that I think makes me very optimistic thinking about this year's future. It's the Second String Podcast on WGAU. Now back to the second string on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. Now back indeed, it is the second string podcast. Logan Booker along with, whoa, wait a second. Incorrect. Tyler. That is correct. What a jerk Walker is. We love him, but he is, uh, yeah, we don't, he's, a, he's an idiot. Let's just be honest. He's a fool. Is he going to be listening to this on Saturday I hope so. by chance? We, I don't know. I listen to you guys when I'm out. 
Walker, hope you're having fun, but we're having much more fun here in Athens, so take that. What could be more fun than a Grady Sports takeover? What are talking about? Grady Sports. Tyler Head along with us. He is a Grady Sports student. Soon to be alum. No stranger to the hallways of Cox Media Athens. He's been on this little show a couple times, or at least once that I know of. Uh, thanks for joining us on such short notice, Tyler. Recapping some G-Day for you. There was a number that stood out to me. I teased this before we went to break. That makes me very, very optimistic about the uh, future of Georgia, the short-term future of Georgia's defense. Georgia last year, Tyler had 22 sacks. Mm-hmm. That was good enough for tied with 12th, tied for 12th in the SEC. Yep. The only team that had less sacks than Georgia, the Vanderbilt Commodores, they had 21 sacks. Alabama had 42 sacks at the top of that list, and then you mm-hmm. sprinkle in wherever you want here and there, but they likely had more than Georgia. Yes. It was a, quote, concern. It was not a concern to me because I think Kirby Smart's philosophies wasn't one of let's go wreak havoc on the quarterback and get after him. They like to stop the run. Late in the season, though, I think those philosophies kind of changed. Jonathan Ledbetter alluded to it in sort of his bowl game uh, conversations and press conferences. Now that Mel Tucker is the Colorado coach, Dan Lanning will start putting his fingerprint on this defense. Another soundbite from Jonathan Ledbetter said that, man, I wish I was going to play under Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. He seems to think the rushing or the rushing the quarterback's about to pick up. That being said, taking a look at these G-Day stats, one thing that people will tell you right off the bat when analyzing a G-Day or a spring practice is, oh, the sacks are nothing more than – a, a guy got too close to the quarterback, and they called it dead. Chances are Dwan Mathis uh, would have slipped away or so-and-so would have gone and run for 10 yards. Georgia registered eight or seven sacks on the day, six by the red team, which is that was sort of the second team. I didn't – not really second yeah, team. but second team. Not all your starters. But here's where I got optimistic. The sacks came from Justin Young, mm-hmm. Devontae Wyatt. Those are your defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. They came from Quay Walker, Brenton Cox, Adam Anderson, Notori Johnson. Uh, uh, Notori is a defensive lineman. They came from linebackers. Yes. They also came from Chris Smith. Yes. And uh, who else had one? I think it was it Mark Webb that got in there. Um, uh, Christopher not... Smith. Mark there was Webb. another Mark DJ. Webb was on the black no, team. no, no, no. I swear there was one more. Anyway, Chris Smith. Let's just go with that. Okay. The point is, that was a member of the secondary. Yes. They're coming from all over the field. It tells me that Georgia has sort of a plan in place to wreak havoc from all over the place, not just hoping your defensive lineman can pierce the offensive line and get to the quarterback sort of the traditional way, if you would. Right. I think Georgia has the athletes. I think they have the depth. They have the athletic skill set. And this is, doesn't even mention Nolan Smith mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Jermaine Johnson, who we're expecting big things out of from the edges this year. They didn't register a sack on G-Day, but these other guys did, and it's from all over the place. What are your just initial thoughts on piecing this all together? Do you think that Georgia will find itself maybe in the upper half of the SEC when it comes to sacks this year, just based on philosophy and now having the players that can possibly do it? Yeah, and you know, last year when we weren't making too many sacks in the first half of the season, I certainly wasn't panicked because we were still playing really good defense. It just seems like that wasn't what the priority was placed on. But now you said we've got these new guys, you know, younger guys coming in that have the ability to get into the backfield, to get mm-hmm. to the quarterback. I think there'll be more emphasis placed on it. But if it's not happening like it was last year, 
I'm not going to be too concerned as yeah. long as we're still playing good defense overall. But I like what you said, that it's coming from many different areas, and the red team also had a couple of additional tackles for losses. So it shows you that they're penetrating that line of scrimmage and getting in the backfield, not just to the quarterback, but yeah. to receivers and running backs as well. One counter-argument people will say is that, oh, well, Georgia didn't have ten tons of sacks, but they also led the SEC, I believe, in like plays over 20 yards, giving yeah. up plays over 20 yards. So yeah. it's obviously very important to stop the run, contain. Uh, you don't want to let anybody slip out behind you. A lot of times when you blitz, a quarterback that's really good will read that, make a check down, get to somebody that's open, and all of a sudden that middle line of defense is all blitzing the quarterback, and they catch mm. the ball and they have a lot of running room right. to go. But I'm, I'm very at peace with thinking this is the team and the style, the, the bodies that can maybe get after there and uh, – get after the quarterback. I don't expect to see Georgia tied for 12th in the SEC in sacks this year, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, continuing with the topic of defenses, we have just a minute here. Two guys that didn't get any sacks but were relatively all over the field were Richard LeCount and Kobe Dean. Certainly a couple of names I would expect some uh, sacks to come when fall rolls around. Let's talk about that more on the other side. You're listening to the Second String Podcast on WGAU. Now back to the second string on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. I had no idea we were going to play Walker's theme song. It's another shot at him, right? Yeah, this is called Loser by Beck. Great song. This song transports me like right back to high school. It doesn't make much sense, does it? It's weird. Spray paint the vegetables. Where did this song come out? Beefcake pantyhose. Ah, when did this song come out? I would probably say late 90s. When did you graduate high school? 2001. 2001. Okay. I was a turn of the century kind of kind of kid, man. Walker, thanks for chiming in from afar with Loser, your rendition. Hope you're having a great time. In fact, he told me he's not even traveling. He's just taking time off. Hey, there's nothing wrong there with that. There is nothing wrong with that, but you couldn't pop in the office and do a podcast. I mean, you gotta got to get some student that's studying for their finals. Like When, when he says time out. off, he means time off. No, I get it. I, I totally and I, do. Hey, I'm cool with being here. Oh, you know what? I got to backtrack. I, I just spread fake news. Okay. He's in Las Vegas. Oh, that I is I forgot. Traveling. That is a big excuse. So never mind, Walker. I hope you come back with a lot of money. Well, if... I think his wife is doing some conference, and he was like, I want to go. And yeah. Why not? I get it. There's a lot of stuff to do in Las Vegas. And there's a lot of stuff to talk about with Georgia football because G-Day is in the books. We are now, let's do the math here, it was 133 on Saturday. Depending on when you're listening to this, we're in the high 120s. Days until kickoff. What's kickoff? August 31st? Labor Day weekend, August 31st, that road trip to Vanderbilt to take on them stinking Commodores. What do you got? As of today, Mm -hmm. which is Tuesday, we're 130 days away. So let's add up till Saturday. That'd be 120. Yeah, 124, 125. I'm not good. Math was not included in the resume to do a podcast. So I don't even have to. That's why we're journalists, right? That's why we're journalists because the math requirements at the University of Georgia were much less strenuous than anybody that wanted to go make real money. And we decided that we just want to be journalists without the math skills. And I'm fine with it. more fun than they do. I am at peace with it. Don't get me wrong. G-Day in the books, 120-some-odd days or 130 if you want to look at it that way. Until kickoff, I cannot wait. I love the way the schedule lines up, Tyler. Uh, We've talked about it a lot. I think that on years where Georgia is not doing a Chick-fil-A kickoff or any other kickoff that may come about, 
I would love for this to be a thing where Georgia and Vanderbilt start the season against one another Labor Day weekend. It, it is what it is. I've said it over and over. It is a game Georgia will and should win. It's a road game. You get one of those out of the way. It's an SEC opponent. It's a great time to kind of take things more seriously than you would if Austin P were coming to town. Not that we didn't last year. It's just that level of excitement tapers off from fans and players alike. They've said that. Right. They love having a big game to start the season because it. coaches have said over and over, it really sets the tempo for that summer. But I'm not saying Vanderbilt's in that category, but it is a road trip in the SEC. Yeah. I'm all about it. Keeps you on your toes a little bit. It does. And it certainly prevents, because unfortunately, as we've seen over the years, that Vanderbilt midseason can be a very easy trap game that we fall into, and we fell victim to it three years ago, obviously, and we have in years past before. Get that out of the way. Don't have to worry about it. Like you said, you get a road trip out of the way. Then you got three three straight weeks at home before you go on the road to Tennessee. Our schedule, I, I love our schedule this year. It's fantastic. I love, you know, for the home crowd also, you get two games in October which doesn't always happen. You get two games in November. I love the way it lines up. It's just absolutely perfect, in my opinion. Let's make this schedule every single season and interchange the West teams. I'd be fine with that. Unfortunately, this is the last season where uh, before we submit to Auburn and give them their schedule request. So, okay, you said unfortunately. I, d- I don't want to dive too deep down in this, but you're not a fan of it, it sounds I'm like. I'm not. I'm just not a fan of giving them what they want without anything in return. They yeah. still owe us a home game. They do, but do you know how much logistics would go into that? Yeah. It's insane. I understand that. To, to switch one team means you have to switch literally all the teams because you don't want to go on a five and three home game schedule. Like, no coach in this earth is going to agree to a three game SEC home schedule every other year. So, in order to fix that, you have to get another team to switch a home yeah. and home with somebody. And then it just trickles down. I, I, I know what you're saying, though. It does feel like Georgia got short change twice but at the same time i am one of like six people that love the change i love the thought of having auburn in that early mid early october late september i'm fine with that i love the thought of having tennessee late in the season either here or there because i think that's going to be a very meaningful game soon i think tennessee's on the rise without a doubt and i will say you know catching auburn mid-season as opposed to the final two or three weeks, which is when, if they're ever on a hot streak, that's when it happens mm-hmm. in the month of November. So at least we'd be catching them before then, should they have one of those next year or whatever. Right. Um, and Tennessee's definitely on the up, you know, up uh, trend. So, you know, that's not going to make our November schedule any easier by any means. In fact, I think it's going to make it harder in the long run. We'll, we'll see what happens over these next couple of years. I'd feel a little bit different if it was like Vandy getting the November spot, you know, because they're typically not too much of a threat again they can jump up and bite us from time to time but the fact that we're replacing a team that gives us trouble with another team that's probably going to give us trouble in the years coming you know it doesn't really it didn't really do anything for us all valid arguments there is no right or wrong here i know i'm in the minority that people people that really enjoy the thought of the new schedule but i do believe in five six seven ten years when we see it happen I think Georgia fans that weren't all for it at the beginning will kind of adjust and say, yeah, this is all right. I kind of like this. So time will tell, Tyler. Time will certainly tell. Uh, we mentioned before the break, by the way, Nicobe Dean is a name that we all watched on G-Day. Uh, mm-hmm. DJ Daniel, another transfer. Uh, he played Juco, am I right? I believe so. Okay, DJ Daniel's another name out there. Lewis Seen. Mm-hmm. A couple of these younger guys look really, really good. Now, there's yep. not like one particular moment that stands out that I was like, oh, there it is. There's that N'Kobe Dean that we're expecting. Or there's the Lewis scene 
the uh, little cornerback from Texas that that we expect. But all in all, I saw some things from some young guys that did not look like kids that should be going to prom this week. Yeah, they looked like seasoned college football players already so can you only imagine what they look like two years from now a year from now or even heck this fall right i'm i'm thoroughly excited by some of the young guys that are stepping up and proving why this recruiting class was ranked so high and i think i still think we're a little bit spoiled from what we had with roquan smith Mm -hmm. that he just turned into this generational linebacker um towards the end of his georgia career and you know with sideline to sideline and everything you know we may see that again with one of these guys but it's not going to happen right off the bat. Uh, I really liked what I saw about from N'Kobe Dean. He was all over the field, it seemed like, and, you know, racked up a good uh, many uh, number of tackles and everything. He's a smaller guy, you know, than a typical linebacker, so he does have that disadvantage, but he's definitely showing a lot of good potential from somebody, like you said, that should be getting ready for prom right exactly. now, not suiting up for an SEC football team. Yeah, and, and Roquan wasn't the biggest guy either. So if you make those comparisons, and they're certainly very valid comparisons, and uh, Chip Towers of the dognation.com a few months ago gave tape of Nicobe Dean to Roquan Smith's high school coach, and vice versa, gave Roquan Smith taped to Nicobe Dean's high school coach, had them both look at it, and both coaches came back with the same response. It was like, oh my God, that's the same player. Yeah. That's the exact same style of play, the same quickness, the same lateral movement, the same kind of mindset, the the football IQ. That's where you should be very excited about players like Nicobe Dean. I will say, and, and you kind of rung a bell here, it was late in Roquan's sophomore season before we really started to see that special player Roquan Smith. He contributed well before that. Oh, he was a solid player before that. Absolutely, but it was really late in his sophomore year where I really had those aha moments where I said, holy crap, that guy is good and he's getting better and better and better. And I think he's one of those guys that you really didn't fully appreciate until you didn't have him anymore. Mm-hmm. Again, what we saw last year, we weren't getting nearly as many sacks and we yeah. didn't have that guy that was seemingly sideline to sideline at every play. It's like, wow, Roquan really was the superstar that you know only comes along every X amount of years or whatever. And again, Nakobe Dean can very well end up being just as good, if not better. He's definitely showing the signs early on, but you know, that's kind of one of those time will tell type of things. Yeah, it's uh I'm I'm excited to see these guys develop into something that could be the quote next uh Roquan Smith, which is a term that we're gonna have to get used to. I think the next Herschel Walker has been around for thirty nine years now, or I guess thirty six or so after he left Georgia. But the next Roquan Smith will be a topic of conversation forever. I, since this came up in a show earlier this week, so I'll just bring it up again, uh, just kind of a joke. The Falcons have given me nothing to be happy about in life yeah. except Roquan Smith. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, Jeff, Jeff Ulbrich was the UCLA defensive coordinator who recruited Roquan Smith. Right. <clears throat> Roquan Smith on signing day reached his hand in some, a bag pulled out UCLA gloves, and he was all about heading over to Los Angeles, California to live the dream. I remember. About 30 minutes after that commitment, before the letter of intent was signed and delivered, Jeff Ulbrich, that defensive coordinator, was hired away by the Falcons, and he still to this day is the linebackers coach for the Atlanta Falcons. One of the few people they didn't fire So last the year, I, I know. The, the one thing that I can think of right off the top of my head that the Falcons have given me besides heartbreak and misery is Roquan Smith. Well, so I, thank you, Falcons, for Roquan Smith. I, I did not know uh, about that, but I, I'm very thankful as well. Yeah, you need to write them a letter as we approach the draft, which, by the way, the draft is this week. I uh, don't want to touch on it too heavy because by the time you're listening to this, 
all of it may be uh, uh, played out by then, but we are looking at some Georgia players. One thing that surprises me big time, DeAndre Baker not getting the love that he was getting from the initial push about him graduating and going pro. I think the latest mock draft I looked, and we look at something called WalterFootball.com, mm-hmm. they've got him at like 51 to the Steelers, or maybe 52. Yeah, this was a guy uh, around the time the season ended. They have him going top 10, you know, to like the Raiders or something mm-hmm. with the eighth pick or whatever. But yeah, he's definitely fallen from the graces. Yeah, I'd, um, I know a lot of people have mentioned, you know, the sitting out the Sugar Bowl didn't sit well with a lot of NFL teams. And I don't buy that for a second. NFL no. teams understand that these guys don't want to get hurt and compromise their chance for making millions of dollars. And, you know, he didn't necessarily impress a whole lot at the combine and everything. And there's, you know, teams sit down with these guys. They do psychological evaluations, all these tests. We don't know the results of those mm-hmm. maybe that has something to do with it um him falling in the draft gives me optimism that maybe the falcons can pick him up which i, I would love that certainly love that to happen maybe in the second round if that's where they're projecting him to go that would make me happy there's no doubt about that i hope by the time you're listening to this if it is into the weekend that you would say those guys were wrong he was drafted a lot higher but we'll just have to see how it plays out other georgia players will keep an eye on uh, DeAndre Walker, he's a, he's kind of a projected second round pick right now. Yeah, he's full, he's kind of bounced back and forth on where people um, you know thought he'd be going. I think second's a pretty solid. Um, I feel like he can get himself a mm-hmm. starting job on a team without too much issue. A lot of folks have sort of analyzed that SEC championship game against Alabama, where Walker did get hurt and had to leave. Not our Walker, not second string Walker. <laughs> he would never cut playing time in the SEC. Right. Uh, but DeAndre Walker, the better of the two Walkers, uh, he certainly played a major factor in us not being able to pressure both Tua and Jalen Hurts and gave them the ability to, to maybe win that game. So that's sort of a, a little bit of a sour taste for a very great individual. I've always liked being around DeAndre Walker, uh, the interviews he's given us over the years here in Athens. So I, I will be a fan of wherever he winds up uh, in the NFL draft. Now for those Georgia slash Atlanta Falcons fans, that's me by the way, there's this big giant conspiracy theory out there that they don't draft Georgia Bulldogs. It just not they. They have some vendetta against Athens, which isn't true. There have been people drafted. I know it's yes. not a plethora, and there's some decisions they've made in years past that make me scratch my head. But there were some rumors about a month ago that they were showing some heavy interest in Meikle Hardman. Mm-hmm. Uh, WalterFootball.com now projects the Falcons to pick Meikle Hardman in the fourth round. I would be very happy with Meikle in a Falcons jersey. I like that kid a lot. Oh, I do too, and I think he'd be you know, great as a punt returner, kick returner, and maybe somebody you can throw in the slot from time to time, kind of filling that uh, Taylor Gabriel type of role, um, or the role that you know, like Justin Hardy hasn't exactly panned out too well with mm-hmm. since we drafted him. I would definitely be uh, on board with that. And uh, Yeah, it does seem kind of odd that they don't draft a lot of Georgia players but you also have to think about like well, what exactly are they looking for this year is Georgia producing something that fits that need you know there's a lot of factors that go into it. every single pick in the NFL draft is unique because the team that's up takes what they need specifically they don't take the fan favorite in the neighborhood because he's the fan favorite they take what they think will make them a better franchise going forward it just hasn't happened to be a lot of Georgia Bulldogs landing in Flowery Branch lately, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm certainly pulling for Meikle there. I would love just another rooting interest when I watch the Falcons on Sunday to say, hey, that's our guy from Athens. If Meikle's that player, I'd be certainly very happy about that. Now, are you uh, – because obviously we're both bigger college mm-hmm. football oh, fans. Absolutely. We are pro football fans. Are you more reluctant to cheer for a team based on the number of 
Bulldogs that they have if you don't otherwise have interest in the game. Anybody but the Saints. No, I agree. As long as the Saints – that's my number one rule every draft is when the Saints are on the clock, don't touch the Bulldogs. Leave yeah. them alone. Don't, don't wake them up. Don't mess with them. They don't have any interest in you, so don't show any interest in them, and I hope you are miserable – fan base for the rest of your lives that's my thought on the saints other than that like even sony michelle in new england i don't have anything against new england i'm fatigued by new england and maybe yeah. it's even more tom brady than it is new england right I, I i admire everything they've done as a franchise i admire tom brady i'm just ready for something different at this yeah. point in my life but watching sony michelle and david andrews and heck even malcolm mitchell the year that he broke my heart mm-hmm. i couldn't be happier for those guys tasting the success they found in places like that. So, no, I think the Saints are the only place that would really give me that sour taste. But we've seen it before. John Jenkins, the big nose tackle, he found his way on the Saints. Damian Swan was a Saint for a while. John Stinchcomb won a Super Bowl with the Saints. Benjamin Watson, great tight end. Ben Watson, recently one of the better people in life, not just football. Uh, It's hard to root anything against Ben Watson, but I didn't want him to put up good numbers because he was a Saint. So, yeah, it affects things a little bit, but – yeah, I would love to have a rooting interest with the Falcons. So go get some Miko Hardman. Here's a quick look at me. I, I get to do cool stuff story. I was doing a remote before G-Day with uh, Chris Brame over at the bookstore. Uh-huh. And it's us at this table, then there's a petition. And on the other side of that like curtain, essentially is what it was, was Miko Hardman signing autographs for fans. Yeah. And Brame and I, I guess he could hear everything we were talking about because we started talking about, hey, just around the corner from us is uh, Miko Hardman and Elijah Holyfield. And we sort of wish they were on the field today, but we wish them the best. And all of a sudden, bam, around the corner, there's Miko Hardman like standing over my shoulders like, what you guys talking about me for? And I was like, oh, hey, Miko. So we had a very brief conversation with him, like a surprise on-air deal. That's awesome. And uh, as he's sitting there, I was I had the wherewithal to pull my phone out, take a quick selfie with Miko. So wherever Miko winds up, whether it's the Falcons or anywhere but the Saints, I will be a fan of his uh, as long as he's in the league. I thought he's done everything the right way and – had fun watching him. Uh, I would love to have him around another year, but I get it. I'm not one of those, like, oh, you should have stayed kind of guys. Yeah, he's one of those guys that a lot of people have talked about. Probably could have benefited a lot mm-hmm. from an extra year and everything, but I think he'll be just fine. You know, right. obviously not going to be a first-round pick, but maybe third or fourth round, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find his uh, self a solid place on a team. Absolutely. G-Day in the books, as we mentioned, 120-some-odd days until we finally tee it back up. That'll fly by, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. People don't realize that it is like early, or I guess mid-May, when you hit that 100 days to kick off. I guess it's like late May, but anyway. May is the month where you hit the 100 days, and then most football fans can tell you any given day Hey, Tyler, how many days will kick off? Like 72. Yeah, it's easier. Like you're going to know. Easier to track those double and single digits. And and whether they drag by or fly by, it, it that varies year to year. But, hey, we're up we're upon that triple digit and then less days until kickoff. So I cannot wait. That kind of helps you make it through the summer, too. It does, when absolutely. When sports are getting a little bit slower. Something to count down. And speaking of summer sports, I'm going to give you a moment on the other side of this break. I want to get a NASCAR update from right. you. And I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you very jealous. All right. You're going to wish you were me, Tyler. All right. I'll tell you what it is on the other side. Thanks for listening. It is the Second String Podcast on WGAU. You're listening to the Second String on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. Welcome back into the Second String, putting the final touches on this here episode, the Walkerless episode. I got my man T-Bone Tyler Head in in studio instead. 
God, I had a mouthful. It started to rhyme, and I started to stop, but I'll just go with it. We're a one-take show. Aspiring rapper Logan Booker. Not quite. Maybe a poet. I could do, like, the beatnik poet. There you go. Coffee An shop. underground poet society. There you go. Poetry slams. That's what they're called. Tyler, you're the biggest NASCAR fan I know. I am. So give me a quick rundown. What's happening at Talladega this weekend? In fact, if you are part of our early Saturday morning WGAU listeners, I am in Talladega right now. My high school buddies and I, we get together every spring because it's something we've done for going on 20 years now. Uh, shortly after high school, we decided one day, hey, let's just go out to Talladega. Let's go see what it's Always all about. A fun time. We've gone, I think, about 35 times since then. We love that place. We camp out. We howl at the moon. We pretend like we're young again and we're, we hurt like hell after getting home from it. But it's something I just like doing every spring. So what's happening out there right now? Who should I be watching this week while I'm at Talladega? Well, it's interesting because in the 35 prior trips you've had to Talladega, Mm -hmm. they've always raced with restrictor plates. Right. And they will not be doing that this weekend. It's crazy, isn't it? Because that's what I know Talladega to be. And now they're gone. Well, we're entering a new era of super speedway racing. And quite frankly, I was talking about this on my podcast last night, Up to Speed, which you can subscribe to on iTunes. Yeah, they'll yeah, plug away. Um, that we're What's it called? Up, up, up the number two mm-hmm. speed. Okay. Short, sweet, and to the point. Sweet. Yeah, but, go, uh, go sign up for that for sure. So these cars that you'll see this weekend will have more horsepower and a lot more downforce. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, the racing shouldn't look much different. Mm-hmm. But as we've learned several times this year, just because they say something's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. Now, refresh my memory. They had a uh, restrictor place in Daytona. Yes. So this is the first time we'll see first this. First time. And this means breaking in the curves now, right? Yeah. Uh, probably not. You'll still okay. be able to hold it wide open. So they, yeah. they tested this package at Daytona after the 500 because it's also a super speedway. The cars are going a lot faster than they thought they were going to. Oh, yeah. That's the fear. Yeah, that is the fear. In um, fact, I think when Bill Elliott one year, did, when he came back, didn't he average the the highest average like 212, 212 miles an hour? Made up two laps under green. That's insane. That does not happen with restrictor plates. That happened. Yeah, that happened before <laughs> restrictor plates. Right. Then, so we're um, going to get back to that style. Right. Uh, and that's the thing is you, yeah. you don't know because it's kind of up in the air. Um they will still have reduced horsepower, but instead of the 400 that they had with a restrictor plate, it'll now be at 550. Mm-hmm. To counteract that higher speed, they're going to have a lot more drag. They have a 9-inch spoiler as opposed to the 6-inch. I mean, this thing is massive. You'll be so able to see it So do you think it'll be there. a really good show this week, or is it going to be maybe a little bit boring because the cars might stretch out a little bit more? So a lot of people have bounced around different theories. Some say, if you remember in uh, 2011 when they did tandem drafting, yeah. they oh, had I two hated cars that. I hated locked that. together. That could possibly come back. Uh, some other people have said it could look like 2001, mm-hmm. which it was the by far the best year of plate racing mm-hmm. ever. I was actually watching the 2001 Spring Talladega race the other day f- just for the heck of it, and I was like, yes, I hope that this is what we see this uh, weekend. We had some years in the early aughts, man, the, the four or five wide oh, yeah. all race. I loved that. That well, was so much fun. And what you could, with this, the restrictor plate package they used up until Daytona, you could go three and four wide. You could move around in the pack. My biggest pet peeve with it was you couldn't pass the leader easily because mm-hmm there was this established bubble of air once you got out in front you could just block whatever line was coming at yeah. you my hope with this different engine package with the different downforce and everything is that passing the leader will be a lot easier they won't be able to control the front of the pack as much and i feel like that's going to put on a better show sure. um and again this is something that i honestly don't know what to expect until it happens on sunday 
you know, they're going to practice on Friday and that can show us one thing. And as we've seen a lot of this year already, practice doesn't translate to the race and how the style of the race is going to yeah. go. So it's really kind of this unknown that we're not used to that we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out on Sunday. I was going to tell you I was going to make you jealous because my nephew is a engineer and during the race a tire carrier for Denny Hamlin. Daytona he just, he just, just won Denny the Hamlin. Daytona 500 champion, little brat. Uh, but he got me pit passes this week. That's awesome. So I have a what's called a hot pass for the Saturday race. Yes. I can be in the pits for the entire race, and I have a cold pass for the Sunday race. Yes. Which means I get to hang out until the green flag. An hour before the race is when the pits okay. go hot. So then I got to then I got to go back up to my seats and watch from there. But I've never been in the pits in Talladega. I've done it in Atlanta years yep. ago. So I'm excited to get out there and finally walk around the infield of Talladega for the first time since, like I said, 35 times right. I've been there. So I'm excited about that. Hey, listen, uh, we are very short on time here. You can hear the enthusiasm in Tyler's voice talking about NASCAR because he knows it more than anybody I've ever met. Do subscribe to his podcast. What is it one more time? Up to Speed. That is up the number two speed. He does that for uh, this little Cox Media Group, Athens. Uh, a great show. Be sure to tune into that. Uh, if NASCAR is your thing also, because he will keep you entertained constantly, knows his stuff. Thanks for joining me, man. This was good times. Always fun. Absolutely. Always fun. Back up over at 960 The Ref, and you back Walker up when he decides to go to Las Vegas. He better come back with a pocket full of cash. I, didn't feel, I feel like we didn't make fun of him enough. No, we didn't. Do we? we took it easy on him this time. We'll We'll change that next time. Hey, thanks for listening. This is the Second String Podcast. We are now post-G-Day going forward. We'll have the countdown for you. Thanks for listening. WGAU. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.